Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. This month, all month, we are using Howard Thurman's uh, Meditations of the Heart as a springboard for talking about how to stop and be quiet and listen. We talked about, I talked about, silence as a path to God last week, um, about prayer and meditation strategies, and I shared with you the concept, the signature of all things, um, which I absolutely love. Um, It comes from a German person that I'm not going to pronounce his name because I think it's honoring to pronounce people's names properly, and if I can't do it, then I'm just going to say Jacob B., And he lived in the 15 and 1600s in Germany, and he had a religious vision that inspired him to write um, what his vision, his perception of the infinite was. And he believed that God must have revealed itself in the things that it created on earth since this was the only way it could have any knowledge of its own beingness which is what we teach in religious science, that each one of us is an expression of this one thing that is everything that there is. Because, I will confess something, no matter how we dress it up, no matter what topic we pick, no matter who the guest artist is, no matter how fabulous always the band and Ken and Star and Marcy are, we have one message one message that we are giving you every single week and any time you will stop long enough for us to talk. And that message is that there's only one life, that life is God, that life is perfect, and that is what and who you are. And so every week, um, I know um, I'm speaking for Larry and he's not here, so don't say anything. <laughs> that that's essentially what we're doing. Um, that we are coming up with different ways um, to tell you that because every person is different. Everyone hears everything differently from different people and so on. And that's what we're trying to do is to remind you of that. So, and one of the ways to do that, in fact, the only way to do that is we have to stop and be quiet long enough to hear that and to remember that. And I think this time of year is the perfect time to revisit that whole idea because don't we just get ever so busy? There seems to be so much activity going on all the time. So I spoke about the signature of all things, and the cool thing about that concept, I think, is to me it means that we are the container for anything and everything that we could possibly need in order to express anything or everything we could possibly desire to express. That we have all, we have the technology, in other words, to do whatever is ours to do. It's built in. We already have it. Because the signature of all things means us. So that's the truth of us. And then I read this beautiful um, inward, the inward sea from this book. Oh, and by the way, if, if you were not here last week, even if you were here last week, Get the CD, get the CD of last week's celebration service because it was just, the music was like today, it was awesome, and it spoke to what we are speaking about this week. All that we are, we bring to the altar of love. 
And afterwards, people ask me how we coordinated all that. The answer is, I don't know, because we didn't do it on purpose. But the music, wa the music was about the altar of love. And then I read this inward sea thing from, from Howard Thurman in which he describes an island and then, well, he drives the sea and then within the sea is an island and on the, that island is the altar. And it is guarded by the angel with the flaming sword and he speaks to the idea that no one can place anything on your altar, that it's yours. Um, that it has to be by right of your own consciousness that anything happens. And the thing is that we can't even do any of that or conceive of any of that if we're so busy, busy, busy that we can't stop and take a breath because that's when we remember who we are. And I spoke this morning about um, my own desire to have the experience of the divine and my desire that that is for all of us. We teach a lot of classes here, and we talk a lot about what we believe and principles and the law and God, spirit, whatever we want to call it. And it can be very easy to have this intellectual understanding of what we are talking about. What I wish for all of us is to have an experience of that, to have an experience of the divine, to have just a second, a moment, a flash um, that is triggered by something someone says, that is triggered by a baby, that is triggered by music, that is, that is remembered by something that allows us to remember who and what we are and to have that experience. So I'm going to pretend that um, our speaking about stopping and being silent is just so motivating and so inspiring that we're actually going to do it. <laughs> that... Um, it is so exciting to every single one of us that everyone in this room has suddenly just stopped. Which begs the question, okay, I stopped, now what am I going to do? Which is funny because we're stopping so that we're not doing. But we need to know what to do once we stop, don't we? So we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about, or I'm going to talk about, taking time to commune with God, which is what I call this thing. Um, you can call it whatever you want. And I think of this time of silence and meditation and prayer. To me, my experience of it is like crawling up into God's lap and just, just sitting there and getting loved up. It's a time for us to reacquaint ourselves with ourselves. And also, I'm going to um, relate to you science-based reasons for meditation. And I will tell you right now that when I looked it up on the internet, it said 10 science-based reasons for meditation, but I could only find nine. I turned the page over several times once I printed it out. I could only find nine. So we're going to talk about nine science-based reasons. <laughs> she seems like a bright woman, but maybe she just couldn't count. And I don't know which one we're talking about. but. <laughs> so Howard Thurman writes that there is an inner insistence toward wholeness an inner insistence toward wholeness. 
which to me makes sense because if we believe in the concept of the signature of all things, then there is that within every single one of us that is calling to each one of us in his or her own way, in his or her own language. So that we are literally the container for anything and everything that we could possibly be called upon to express or to be. That that already lives in us as us. And I don't know about you, but that kind of, I breathe a sigh of relief on that deal. Because I, I already have it. I already am it. So I don't have to build anything, construct anything, um, buy anything. I don't have to go online. I'm already the container for all of that. So when Thurman talks about communing with God, I'm going to quote it here. He calls, he calls it bringing in your scattered parts. He invites us to be present with every aspect of our inner being in order to have a felt experience of being with the divine. He invites us to lay bare all that we are. Imagine that. Imagine having a moment, moments, seconds, a place, a spot where we can be, we can bring all of us including the parts that we might deem unattractive, less than perfect, every decision we've made, every choice that we've made, every mistake that we've made, any feelings of unworthiness or not enough. Imagine that. Imagine being able to just show up exactly as we are and be loved anyway. Be loved anyway. Last week I quoted Thurman talking about um, every nuance honestly labeled. Imagine every nuance honestly labeled and you're loved anyway. There is that which sees you, which knows you, which loves you. And we don't have to tuck anything away. Nothing. Imagine that. I was talking this morning about how you can spot um, young people or older people. You can spot those of us, I say us, I'm not one of them, who was raised in this philosophy. You can spot a religious science kid a mile away, can't you? You can. I remember when I used to go to a Silomar, it was just so awesome to see all these, these young people that um, you could tell had been raised in this philosophy because they were just joy-filled, honest, um, courageous beings. My observation was they would try anything. And if they fell, if they stumbled, whatever, it was, they were loved anyway. And imagine living your life like that. And we don't have to imagine it because we can do that. We can do that. In order to do that, we have to stop and be able to remember who we are. And the key phrase there is stop. Because don't we just get so busy, busy, busy out here? The other day I was thinking about gerbils. <laughs> oh, like you never stopped and thought about gerbils. Huh? <clears throat> I was thinking about gerbils. Because, you know, they make these cages. Well, the gerbils don't make the cages. They... <laughs> They might make the cages. I don't know. I never checked. I never checked because they're rodents, and so I always keep my distance because sometimes, invariably, have you ever observed, invariably, a household that has a gerbil or a hamster, at some point, those little suckers get out of the cage, don't they? 
and then everybody's looking for them and so on. Anyway, I was thinking about gerbils. I was thinking about gerbils because you know how they have those, those cages? They're in the cages and they have that wheel and they just get on that wheel and they just keep going, keep going. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered where are they going? And do they know that they're on that wheel? And do they have a specific destination in mind? And will they know when they get there? I was just wondering about that stuff. <clears throat> I know, I need to get out more, right? <laughs> don't you ever feel like a gerbil sometimes? I mean, don't you ever feel like we're just, we're just, and we're just kind of going and going and going and going? And I mean, I talk to people and we say, yeah, we'd love to, we'd love to be able to, you know, have lunch or something. Let's, let's try to, you know, email me some dates you have or whatever. And it's like major surgery to try to figure all that stuff out because we have, you know, we just have so much stuff that we're doing. Howard Thurman writes, often there is a real struggle to call in oneself from some phase of experience that has one deeply involved in a consuming fashion. Y'all know what I mean, right? Deeply involved in a consuming fashion. See, we need to be able to pause and to stop to even know that that's happening in the first place. And mostly we need to stop because that's when we can get reacquainted with ourselves. That's when we can ask ourselves if we're looking like that gerbil. That's when we can ask ourselves, why are we doing what we are doing? We can start with, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Maybe we could go even further and ask ourselves, what do I love most about my life? What do I love? What's my favorite thing in life? And then we could also ask ourselves, what's our least favorite thing? We could ask ourselves, why am I here? What is mine to do? Because this is when we create the space for us to invest in our own lives. This is when we get, turn off the autopilot. Have you ever done that? I'm sure I'm not the only one who's done this. Please, God, may I not be the only one who's done this? Have you ever set, left your house to go somewhere and then you ended up somewhere else because you're just used to getting in the car and going there? It's like, what the heck? What am I? It's like you were transported or something. And when you think about it, I don't know about you, but I, it kind of freaks me out. I was unconscious for 25 miles. This is worth noting. I just, <laughs> I'm just saying. <clears throat> so really, truly, aside from the practicality of it all, the only way that we can really t be an active participant in our own lives is to stop long enough to ask the questions of what are we doing, what do we want, why are we here, what's next, just to stop and breathe and exhale and get out of automatic pilot. The only way we can do that is to stop. And for most of us, we have to practice doing that. And for most of us, we have to set up formal structures, if you will, 
We have to do something in order to learn not to do something. Is, is, yeah, that's what it amounts to. Which brings us to the nine science-based reasons why you should meditate. I think she was lying about the ten things, I don't think. <laughs> this is Dr. Emma Sapala. This is her website. And by the way, it's not hard to find data about the benefits of meditation. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it is science-based because they have these MRIs now that they can, you can actually see colors of the brain, the activity in the brain changing and, and so on. It's really cool. Okay, reason number one to meditate today, to start, it's totally hot. That's what she said. 30 mil, that's right, 30 million Americans have tried or practiced meditation, including Oprah, NFL players, and U.S. Marines. Apparently, she thinks that we have to have some sort of idle sort of person in mind in order for us to meditate, but, you know, that's, that's okay. Reason number two, meditation increases happiness and health by increasing positive emotions, by decreasing pain, decreasing inflammation, and it also boosts immune function. (laughs) Or, as some of us say, immune function. Yeah. Reason number three. I'm going to be asking you to review this after I'm all done. Reason number three. Meditation, regular meditation, boosts your social life. I do not know how this is measured, but I'm going to take her word for it. By increasing social connection and reducing loneliness. I can see where that could happen, actually. Because to the extent that we can stop and breathe, then we have an opportunity to connect to ourselves and thereby connect to that which is um, the truth of us. So, yeah, I can see that. Number four, makes you focused. Increases memory and improves attention. Number five, improves brain function. And this, again, is something that can, be, that can be measured and quantified. It increases cortical thickness. I didn't know I had a cortical thickness, but I'm, I'm sure it's thicker now than it was when I was 25. That's all I can tell you. Increases cortical, <laughs> cortical thickness, especially in areas related to introspection and attention. Increases gray matter in areas related to memory and thought. Increases brain volume, specifically in areas for emotion regulation, positive emotions, and self-control. Number six, enhances ability for empathy and compassion. And again, to me, that doesn't that make sense? Because to the extent that we feel connected with ourselves, then we can experience connection with others. Number seven, the more you meditate, the greater the benefit. It's cumulative. Number eight, increases wisdom and perspective. So you can kind of calm down, get out of the forest, and look back and see the trees. And number nine, it beats the blues. It decreases anxiety and depression and stress. 
And so often when we talk about meditation and medita- meditation practices and stopping and pausing and so on, one will get a reaction like, yeah, I'm so sure. Have you seen the calendar we were talking about earlier? Have you seen my calendar? Do you understand my life? Do you get how, like I have time to stop and meditate. I don't think so. I have an answer for that. This is what she says. There are 1,440 minutes in a day. It's a lot of minutes, right? How many of those minutes do you use on Facebook, watching TV, playing video games, or being otherwise engaged online? That's how many minutes you have available that you could use for meditation. So basically, we're busted. (laughs) No matter what we can think of, no matter what we can think of, we do, in fact, have time. It's how we spend it. So last week, I spoke about the idea that um, about being versus doing and how wondering how much of our doing is uh, instead of being or how much of our uh, doing is an expression of our being. And there's a difference, right? There's a huge difference. We will never experience that difference or even know what that is if we keep going as fast as we can possibly go. And so we need to stop. And the reasons for stopping are us, are us and the connection that we get as we remember who and what we are. Because the moment I remember who I am, then I remember who you are. And then I remember that it's the same. We're all aspects of the same thing. And so then I have the time to look at you. Then I have the time to look in your eyes. Then I have the time to listen to you and really hear you, which also serves to remind me of who I am and who you are. And I started to say, isn't that what this time of year is all about? And then I feel sad about that because really there's a time of year that we're about that. What about the rest of the time? Maybe this is a time of year that is a bridge for us to learn, to begin to learn to stop and to begin to learn to see each other and hear each other so that we can take that into the rest of the year and the rest of our lives. What do you think? I think that would be awesome. To live every single day um, being excited to be here. To live every single day thrilled that we get to do this. And in doing that, then we can remind each other when one of us forgets. This is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fabulous. This is how God gets to do life. Each one of us. This is how God gets to do it. Yeah, that's a cool thing. It also means we don't just sit and rest on our laurels. Because I don't know if we have those. So this is the time. This is the place. So I invite us all to either really embrace the meditation practice that you already have 
or remembering that there are 1,440 minutes in the day, that certainly you can carve out 10 or 20 of those for yourself to crawl up into God's lap and just hang out and be loved up. I'm going to close with a prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer uh, in the Aramaic translation. So I invite you to close your eyes if you wish to do that. Or you can leave them open if you wish to do that as well. O thou from whom the breath of life comes, who fills all realms of sound, light, vibration, may your light be experienced in my utmost holiest. Your heavenly domain approaches. Let your will come true in the universe just as on earth. Give us wisdom for our daily need. Detach the fetters of our faults that bind us like we let go of the guilt of others. Let us not be lost in superficial things, but let us be freed from that which keeps us off our true purpose. From you comes the all-working will, the lively strength to act. The song that beautifies all and renews itself from age to age. Sealed in trust, faith, and truth. Or as we say in Science of Mind, and so it is. Amen. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.